together with the elders several weeks ago, and I asked them if they would um, each, there's, there's five of us doing this, if they would each um, choose a short scripture passage. Uh, well, I didn't say short. I said choose a scripture passage and, uh, you know, and tell it, say something about it in a song that would go with that. And I told them, you have five minutes. <laughs> You know, each each of us only has five minutes. That's for the reading as well as what we're going to say about it. Now, the song that that you're going to sing together is different. Here's one of the things that we hope happens. What, what we would really like to see happen. Um, we want the song to mean much more to you than maybe it did before. I still, uh, you know, there's some songs that we sing that uh, just mean so much more to me than than they used to because in some instances um, I, I learned the background of the song and why, you know, it, it is well with my soul. I can't sing that without thinking of, of how that song came about and where that song came from. Um, but there's other songs that when we sing that are connected to Scripture for me and it just means so much more. That's one of the things that we hope ends up happening for you today. Uh, that as our elders share with you from their hearts and things that God has uh, led them and taught them in, that you too will not only learn but be uplifted. And that these songs, as you're able to connect those together then, that it will minister to you not only here, uh, but even in the days to come. Now, so Kelvin doesn't have to keep telling you, you know, you can stand up, you can sit down. When we get to the song part of each one of them, why don't you just stand up when we're done singing, then you can sit down, um, and then the other ones will come and share. I believe the scripture references will be on the screen as we go along. Matt, if you'll advance those as we go along, and it will be there for you so that you can turn to the passage uh, that the particular elder will be sharing from. And again, we hope it means something to you. Let me pray. Pastor Ralph is going to come up. Well, he is up already, but he will share with us from uh, from First John. Father, thank you for your word and how it ministers to us. And the songs that really many have flow, flow, flowed from your, your word as you have touched lives and as you have touched hearts. I ask that you would be with uh, each one of us, certainly with all of our elders as they share some of the passages that you have touched them with and some of the songs that have ministered to them and lord but each one of us as we find ourselves in a particular spot now that you would minister to the hearts that are gathered here together and father that you would indeed be glorified in and through what is done here uh, this morning and we offer you our thanks and praise in christ's name amen thank you thank you Merry Christmas, Northside Missionary Church. Praise the Lord. I want to read for you the passage from uh, the gospel, or the epistle of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 2. I'll just read it to you uh, from the uh, New King James Version. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Whoa, a star shall arise out of Jacob, and the 
three wise men were the first to see it. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear, and all of the tribes of the world will mourn, but not the church. Will mourn because of him. A second Christmas is coming back. The first was so momentous that we have been spending over 2,000 years from the first appearing of Christ on earth, the Messiah. He loved the fellowship with Adam in the Garden of Eden so much. He said right there, Christmas is coming. And then he says here in Second John, or First John chapter 2, Christmas is coming. And when we see him again, we shall be like him. The first Christmas, we all threw him out. He was completely rejected. And the last Christmas, he'll be greatly beloved, and it does not yet appear what we shall be like because we shall see him as he is. It will be wonderful. And I have a poem to read for you concerning this. Uh, Christmas is coming back. If Christmas was revisited, would the world still be asleep while the brightest star shone over a manger of oxen and sheep? Wouldn't the last be first? Wouldn't the first be last? Wouldn't all the be quite different than that first Christmas past? Israel would receive him, God's firstborn son, their king. Rome's murderous Herod and his bludgeons couldn't do that murderous, barbarous infant thing. Such things that are not surely would be as though they really are. And the things that are would actually be nothing by a revisiting Christmas star. Everything that is stable would not again be repressed, but the wicked kingdoms of evil would be shaken loose and dismissed. With the government upon his shoulders, overall Christ would be king. World peace would reign supernal. God himself would uh, make new everything. About Christmas coming back, now you really don't have to wonder. About Christmas coming back, because scripture that called the first time says a second is on track. Merry Christmas, Northside. Thank you, Ralph. If you're using your hymnal, I think it's going to be up on the screen, right? Uh, We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. See? 
Mark chapter 9. The first part is the transfiguration. Jesus on the mount and he's transfigured. Then he and his three disciples come down from the mountain and a father brings his son to Jesus and says, I've brought my son who has been tormented by a demon for years. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't cast the demon out. And I'm going to read then in from verse 21 in Mark 9. It says, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood. He answered, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. And help us. If you can do anything, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. promise there isn't that God is going to do everything you want done. The promise is that God can do everything if need be. I had this impressed upon me these last two months. The first Sunday night in November, we got a call from my youngest daughter saying, I'm taking my husband to the hospital. For two months. Almost he was in the hospital. My, my son, my son-in-law, and myself went to the hospital he was at to pray for him. Later, my daughter and my wife and I went all the way to Chicago to see him in the hospital. He remembers nothing of that. But we were praying and believing. Almost 30 years ago now, 
I took my wife to the doctor one day. Her back was causing her to not, almost not be able to stand up. The doctor said, would you take a, have an MRI? We said, yeah. They called and they said, oh, we just had a cancellation. Your wife can get in today. They told us when we went after the MRI, they said, in a few days we'll let you know what the results were. Three hours later, the phone rang. They said, you need to call your doctor immediately. They said, there's a tumor in your wife's end of her tailbone. They did more MRIs. They said, the horse's tail is wound through that tumor. This is going to be a very serious surgery. When they went in to do the surgery, they said, we don't know what happened, but it at all, all those nerves had gone out of the, the tumor, and Becky is still here and walking. Help my unbelief. Every morning when I begin the day, I try to have my devotions. And the one thing I ask God every day, and I've asked it now for way over 50 years, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Only believe all things are possible. Only believe. Thank you, Stan. What a positive influence God is.
passage is First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, first couple verses. <clears throat> Let me just read these verses to you. <clears throat> if you're there, you can follow along. The Apostle Paul writes, Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God as you are doing, do so even more. For we know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. From this passage, I want to show you just two basic expectations that God has for us as believers in him. And the first is that Christians are an instructed people. They are an instructed people. Verse 2 says, for you know what commands, or the ESV says, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. We are an instructed people. Let me give you a negative example of this. Uh, Robert Bella wrote a book uh, several years ago, Sociologist, Habits of the Heart. And he lists many examples of uh, American faith, if you will. And he gives the example of one, Sheila Larson. He writes, Sheila Larson is a young nurse who has received a good deal of therapy and who describes her faith not as Christianity but as Sheilaism. I believe in God, she says. I'm not a religious fanatic. I can't remember the last time I went to church. My faith has carried me a long way. It's it's Sheilaism, just my own little voice. Uh, Bella writes, Sheila's faith has some tenets beyond belief in God, though not many. In defining my own Sheilaism, she says, it's just try to love yourself and be gentle with yourself. You know, I guess take care of each other. I think he would want us to take care of each other. That's what I'm afraid a lot of believers or a lot of people in American culture have is a faith. They have a faith, but it's a faith that they have made up themselves. They pulled from here, they pulled from there, they pulled from everywhere. And it's, they've made the decisions as to what compromises their faith. Sheilaism, or Barbaraism, or Ronaldism, or whatever, you know, it's their own little faith. But we as a Christian people are an instructed people. The Apostle Paul wrote, what I received, I passed on to you. So our, 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 we are an instructed people. We receive our instructions from the Lord. 
The world says, be true to yourself. Disney says, be true to yourself. But we say, be true to the scriptures. Be true to what God has called us to be. So we are an instructed people. Is your life guided by the word of God or not? Is the word of God your authority or not? And then the other thing this passage highlights is that Christians are to be an intentionally growing people. Christians are to be an intentionally growing people. Verse 1 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God as you are doing, do so even more. Paul says there about the Thessalonian Christians to whom he's writing, he says that the Thessalonian believers knew how to live and to please God. And not only that, that they were also doing exactly that. They were living uh, and pleasing God. And yet Paul can ask them to what? To do so even more. To do so even more. To walk in a manner that pleases the Lord, it deserves our attention, it deserves our intention, and it deserves our effort and our focus. Most great musicians never feel like they've arrived to the point where they can stop practicing. Yasha Heifetz was one of the great violinists of the last century, and he practiced four hours a day on his violin until he died at the age of 75. Many great pianists, and I don't class myself in that category, many great pianists practice three to four hours every day, and some even more. As you are walking in the Lord and pleasing him, do so even more. I can look at some of our elders today. I can look at some of our elders. I can look at Stan, and I can say, on the authority of Scripture, as you are walking in the Lord, do so even more. I can look at Pastor Ryan and say, as you are walking in the Lord, do so ever more, do so even more. I can look at all of you and say, as you are walking in the Lord, continue to do so. Our brother Corliss Hess passed away earlier this year. He was in his 90s, and you know what he did every day? He ate every day, but he also fed himself spiritually every day. He was always in the scriptures every day. And even when he went to the emergency room, Pastor Ryan tells us, he took his Bible with him. Um, Always ready to grow. Christians are to be an instructed people, and they are to be a growing people. Be continually instructed by the word of God in your spiritual leaders. And with regards to living as you ought and pleasing God, do so more and more. Give it your attention and effort, and the Holy Spirit will help you. One fifty-five. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy. Speak after the Lord. Abide in Him always, and feed on His word.
When Pat told us to choose a, a, a hymn that we could speak about scripturally, there was no contest for me. Victory in Jesus. He loved me ere I knew him. That one line. I grew up in the church, and I know that never struck me. I was not a Christian growing up in the church. But after I became a Christian, I knew the truth of that line. Um, all of these hymns that we're singing, you can find line after line to give direct scriptural reference to. That's really fun. You know you're singing the truth. So, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How big is that? For 40 years, I lived basically a moral life, but it wasn't because I denied God. And then I really messed up, left my family, really did bad stuff. Still, it was all in his plan. He loved me ere I knew him speaks to me of his sovereignty. And not just his sovereignty, that big old word that we don't even know what it means. He manages the affairs of men. He manages my days. He manages everything about me. He manages it. I don't always get it right in submitting to his management, so I can't blame anything on him. But but part of what amazed me as I began to think about this was one scripture leads to another scripture and the whole thing just multiplies. Wow. So the next one I got was, and you won't always know how I got there. I'm not going to explain all that, but I always, it always has a reason why it pops into my mind. John 6, 44. No one can come to the Father who sent me. No one comes to the Father unless, comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So, that's certainly true. All this time I was being this boob, he was drawing me. But more than that, now this is something to be argued and considered and wondered about, which I still am, because it was a year or more ago that I heard R.C. Sproul preaching that the word there is not, not what we think of as draws, take it or leave it, I'm drawing you, but drag. There's a compulsion about God's sovereignty, that we cannot deny that. None of us can deny that. We may not respond to the compulsion, but there is one. So when I heard that, drags and inform my prayers. Now we'll see how well I do. This prayer, this prayer song was first about my brother, who's five years younger than I am, and dismisses anything you try to talk about the real Christ at all. They go to Unitarian Universalists, which is not really a church. And then I plug in other people's names as I do this. I drive for Napa, so I have a lot of opportunity to belt out these songs in my car where nobody but God can hear me. See how it goes here. Based on this verse. Drag him by my prayers. Drag him by the heels. Drag him by my prayers. Drag my brother to the cross. Oh, drag him by the heels, drag him by my prayers. I don't want my brother to stay lost. 
I don't want my brother to stay lost. Drag him in, Lord. Drag him in. I wonder how many people were praying prayers like that for me. And the Lord heard him. And I got drug in. I took two and a half years to evaluate God before I believed him. Uh, all the time, all the time, he's after me. Um, that brings to mind the, uh, another verse about um, when I am lifted up, all men will be drawn to me or dragged to me. And the next verse explained that's about the cross, lifted on the cross. What struck me there was the cross is attractive. Yeah, when you know what it really did, it is. Then one last thing. Because all of this seeking and drawing um, reminded me, and I checked it out again. Could have been a while since I read all of uh, Psalm 119. I'm referencing just the, the last verse, 176. But for 175 verses, it's about, and, and I won't give you any examples, but at least 60 times of of the psalmist seeking God. And then he ends by saying, After five pages in my uh, Bible, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. He dies. Hallelujah. Thank you, David. And there's victory in Jesus, 415.
If you'd turn to Ephesians chapter 1, it's on page 1076, if you're using the Pew Bible, a passage there that um, the song we're going to sing when I'm, when I'm done is um, In Christ Alone. And here's how this ministers to me. Follow along, beginning with verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1, the very beginning of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus that he saw what was important there. He said, Praise the God praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with and the beloved. We have the redemption in him through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. We have also received an inheritance in him, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Now, as we look at, as you look at those verses and, you know, as, as you're going over it, what you find is that phrase in Christ or in him, um, either stated or alluded to 15 times at least in those verses that he draws our attention to christ that he draws our attention to being in him and what it means to be in him and at the very beginning of his letter what he is doing is he is lifting christ up and he is saying look here here is the reason here is the one not only the one we look to, but the one who brings all of life together. Not only all of life. Look, look what else he is saying in here. In verse 4, he begins, he says, you know, before the foundation of the world, he says there. In verse 5, he uses a phrase that some of us don't like sometimes. He says, he predestined us. He repeats that, you know, again later in verse 11, he predestined us. In, in, uh, in verse 9, he says that he planned. Here's the deal. It's, it's not a word we need to be afraid of. What he's telling us here 
is God did not leave your salvation to chance. He didn't just put us here and say, man, I really hope this works out. He didn't just put us here and say, best of luck to you. What he did is what it says here, before the foundation of the world, before anything else was even put in place, he said, our salvation was, was cared for. Our salvation was planned. It was put there. It was, it was not just happenstance. It wasn't just something that happened to be. It was there in the very mind of God. He did not leave our salvation to chance. In Christ, he did not leave our salvation to chance at all. He goes on, you know, and he tells us there in verse 5, he says that this was all according to his favor and his will. You see, this is the way God God wanted us to have salvation. He wanted us to have a relationship with him. It wasn't something that, you know, he was hoping that maybe one day, you know, we would we would find out his goal there was, you know, that we would have this relationship. And we sometimes think that life is out of control. He reminds us there at the end of verse 11 that he works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. That when we walk in Christ and when we follow him and when in him is where we, where we live and breathe and have our being, when it's, as, you know, Pastor Stan said, first thing in the morning, you know, when we can start there, drawing ourselves back and our attention into Christ, when we can go through that day, drawing our attention into Christ, you know, like David said, when we see where we, you know, where we've been doing our own thing and we can bring ourselves back to Christ, that in him, when we are walking in him, then every, he works out everything according to the decision of his will. His will, not our will. His will. Because as he says here in verse 6, that it's to the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, that we bring praise to his glory. Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. This song has ministered to me from the very first time I heard it. I stood there, really, I, I was at a men's retreat. Uh, Pastor Kent and I and some of the guys from church were at a men's retreat. And uh, the, the they sang, the guy who was leading us in song uh, chose this song. And I remember standing there in awe of the grace, majesty, power of God, all found in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's sing to the praise of his glory. In Christ alone my hope is found He is the light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless fame, the gains of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin. that's your prayer I hope that's your goal in life to live for him and in him